Picture a young girl gazing up at the night sky with her dad. She notices a few particularly bright lights, points to them and asks him, Dad, what's that? Oh, that's the Big Dipper. See, it, it looks like a cup with a handle. She thinks about it for a while and then asks him, <clears throat> Who made the Big Dipper? Did God make it? The father thinks, hmm, that's a good question. God made the stars out there, but it was some person in ancient Greece that connected the dots and named it. We made the Big Dipper, when you think about it. At some point in time, someone connected those specific stars and told others about it. Word sped, spread around and the idea stuck. As a result, we live in a world in which those lights in the night sky make up that specific constellation. It could have been different. There are limitless combinations of stars and ways to connect them to make shapes, and that combination could have been made into something else, but that's not the world we live in. In this world, we've been told to see that shape And every time we trace the pattern for our children, we continue making a world with the Big Dipper. Now, we know God made the world, but we make worlds in this world through the things that we say. We're all on the same planet, but with the words we hear and the words we speak, we make and live in a variety of worlds. For example... We look out our windows each morning and see a world we've been taught to see. We notice some things while ignoring others. Now, there are many versions of this world out there, and we live in more than one of them in our lives. All these many voices we hear throughout our lives gradually shape and reshape our perception of reality until one day we realize we're living in a different world. I'll bet you know what I'm talking about. I already perceive it at 53. And my friends who are older are saying, this isn't the same world I used to know. Now, sometimes our world changes in an instant. I remember leaving very early in the morning for a trip with my parents. It was still dark. And I was awake in the car to see night become the day. All this time, I had thought somebody just flipped a switch in the morning. Same when I left the state of California for the first time. I was 10. We crossed the state line into Nevada, and my dad says, well, we're in Nevada now. And I'm looking around wondering why things didn't look any different, because on all the maps, all the states were different colors. And borderlines surely meant that, you know, things had to be different between each state. Otherwise, why would they be there? You know, my perception of the world had been influenced by maps. Such conversions happen when we're confronted in a new situation or with a new situation that turns our world upside down. All of a sudden, we find ourselves seeing the world in a new light. Now, I could be saying all this to illustrate how many times the apostles' world was changed overnight with what they heard and saw 
as well as the people who witnessed Jesus perform miracles and all the signs and wonders, like the one we, heard, we just heard today, the amazing catch of fish. But we can imagine that all pretty easily, don't you think? I'm after something different here. There are many versions of the world out there. And even if some are sparsely inhabited, sometimes we come across someone who seems to be living in his own little world. I believe that's more literal than figurative, and here's why. Think about this church in the late 1800s. Who, who was here? I mean, wh- who were the people here in the late 1800s? German-speaking farmers, all Lutheran Christians. What voices shaped their world? Well, you know, as you can imagine, God was very important. The church was very important. <clears throat> Otherwise, they wouldn't have built this church. And so the pastor's voice was very often listened to. The pastor gave the people the word of God in their language, and that shaped their world. Now, I don't know how much English they read at the time, and so my guess is, at least at first, anyways, you know, they probably weren't big consumers of the Oregonian or whatever new other newspapers there were around here at the time. The only other voices they would have heard would have been each other or the people who were in similar occupations and lifestyles. They were in their own little world. But the world around them began to change. As more of them learned English, and their kids and their kids learned English, they could hear many more voices of differing narratives. The church began to gain members who weren't necessarily German agricultural people. They were business people, city folk, engineers, manufacturers, and people from far away who'd been exposed to a multitude of different voices. People whose lives were of a different narrative than pioneer German farmers. We all have a narrative. In order for us to make sense of our everyday experiences, time and memory come together in the formation and continuation of a story. Where we come from, what's happening around us, and where we're going is all part of that. And depending on the story we tell ourselves, We dismiss some experiences and identify with others that are important to us. We do it all the time. Requires no effort, and most of the time, we're not even aware of it. Remember the guy I said who lived in his own little world? Experiences that support his specific narrative strengthens the story he tells himself. Same with you and me. We tend to ignore experiences that don't fit. As a result, we become all the more certain of the world that we live in and have grown in as we see it. Our only way out of this little world is a disruption disruption significant enough to force us to rethink the whole story. My friends, every pastor that's gotten up here since August Kentner in 1878, have always been in the business 
of describing the world as they believe it really is. Describing it from the scriptures and bringing it to bear on all the different worlds of the people sitting here hearing it. Preaching is really Christian world-making. And it's been that way from the time Jesus ascended into heaven. But God's word and worldview of His church are entering a new relationship with American culture. Jesus, the Bible, Christianity, is but one idea in a marketplace of ideas. Take it or leave it. And it just doesn't apply to people whom we're trying to reach for Christ out there. We're all in our own world. My narrative is different than yours, and yours is different from so on and and so on. Pastors and preachers like me can no longer assume all of you are living in the same world or that you're telling yourselves the same story. And this is a huge problem when it comes to seeking unity in the church over things which God says are good and bad because in our little individual worlds, Good and bad can get really mixed up. But it's also problematic when it comes to bringing people into a relationship with Christ and His church. Who out there is going to consider the forgiveness of sins so important and worth hearing about and learning more when in their little world they're just fine? You know, they may admit they're not perfect, but they haven't done anything wrong as far as they're concerned. The answer to these problems, though, have been with us from the beginning. Because, you see, God also has a narrative. He has a story. And the church tells God's story. And it's not just the pastors who tell it, not just the Sunday school teachers, but all the people of God tell the story. You know that old hymn, I love to tell the story, right? In doing so, We tell it to ourselves and our children and others. Ten years ago, when I was in St. Louis learning how to do all this, my teachers, who were a generation before me and my cohorts, really harped on us to tell the whole story of God from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, because for a long time now, the Christian church, including the LCMS, has gotten into a practice of focusing on several central episodes of the Bible. But now the way to preach is to unfold for you the entire story, master story, that stretches from the first creation to the new one that's coming. And not only that, but us pastors have the renewed task of helping you recognize the corporate nature of the Christian faith. You know, again, think of the individual who lives in his own little world. The good news of our message is not only that God promises forgiveness of sins and life and salvation to you as an individual in your private little world, it also means you're brought into a much larger family, a people who live together under the reign and rule of God. The hope is that one day you'll you'll wake up and you'll realize that the world you live in is no longer your own. Now, how do I and my colleagues 
tell you the whole story. Well, you know, we can't do it in one Sunday. It's told over many Sundays, over a year or two years or three years, a long period of time. You can get it in a year if perhaps you come every Sunday. But you can tell others like this. It begins with God making all things. He makes it all good. But then evil enters his creation. Not surprisingly, God is not pleased. He curses what he's made, but also promises to redeem it and restore it and restore all things, especially his people, to the way it was in the beginning. He begins his gracious work through Abraham and his children, and the story continues with his family and their struggle to trust and obey God's commands and trust in his promises. To encourage and rebuke, and call them back to himself, God sends prophets to speak on his behalf. But the people won't listen. And their rejection means defeat and exile. God doesn't forget his promises, though. And so he sends his son to deliver them from their own sinfulness and establish God's reign. They don't listen to the son either, and they kill him. But then he rises to life again, and in doing so, he vindicates his works and all his words, and then sends out his friends and witnesses to continue his work by teaching and restoring, witnessing and inviting others into the family. Finally, he ascends into the clouds with a promise to return on the last day of the world and finish what he started. You and I are living in that part toward the end, where God promises to return and make all things new again, then it really, really will be good. This is the world we live in. The Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed are also the story. The stories that we tell, and we tell ourselves those stories to ourselves twice a month or more. That's good. It keeps reminding us of the world we live in. The challenge is we've been hearing conflicting creeds for a long time now and stories often without ever realizing it. Like I said, there are many world makers out there and they're not only Christian preachers, they're politicians, news anchors, YouTube celebrities and the like. And they're really good at what they do. We've all inhaled and internalized their false or incomplete versions of the world and were formed not only by baptism, but a host of other masters. But change can happen. There is hope and promise of love and forgiveness and restoration from God. There is one true world, and that's the one we see through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And He wants you and me and all people out there to see the world more like He does. He wants you in this world not bouncing in and out of a lot of little bunch of little worlds depending on who you want to listen to and what day it is and what time of your life you're at. When you come to church to hear God's Word, it can be a kind of dismantling or a detox of the false worlds when you listen and believe and take it in. We also repent uh, for making ourselves too comfy in our individual distortions of the world. This is why we confess, Lord, forgive us, renew us, 
Lead us to delight in your will and walk in your world to the glory of your name. A world where the God of all creation, all the stars and planets, stands on the shore of one of them and miraculously nets a huge catch of fish for an unlucky group of fishermen because he loves them? Seems like a different world than the one we're living in, doesn't it? But it's not. This is our world. That happened. Jesus taught those guys his love for them as individuals and as people. And all people, you and I I are hearing again today, all these centuries later, what a tremendous catch of people the apostles have netted through time by telling the story, writing it down, and retelling it for all to hear until Jesus returns. This world is our world. It's God's world He made for you and me, and we look forward to an even better one. Amen.